You are now in possession of the Rebel FM Podcast. Welcome to episode something of Rebel FM. It's like 15. 15? Yes? I'm looking for you for confirmation, Arthur Geese. Is it 15? 15. Anyways, Rebel FM episode 15. If it's not, then what we're going to do is next week we'll just be 16 and 14 will be the episode that never existed. Um, so you're doing that backwards. It's supposed to be that we skip episode 13 and make that 14. Ah, whatever. Uh, this this show's been full of plenty of bad luck from time to time, so... It's fine. This week in particular. Yeah, I let's, mean... Let's tell you how podcasts work. Yeah, so I, I'm Anthony Gallegos, uh, former editor at 1UP, now editor, associate editor at GameSpy. I'm also here with Arthur Gies, who is overlord of EatSleepGame.com. Um, and then uh, freelancer Tyler Barber is also with us. As, as At this point, Tyler's basically regular. I mean, he really is, so... And Tyler's uh, reliable. And if you don't like his voice, then you can eat a pile of shit. <laughs> my voice, my voice. Hello. So, uh, yeah, so Tyler's here with us. Uh, we were supposed to have, you know, the ever-elusive Robert Ashley, but uh, that guy, the problem with the, the world is that there's an economy that sucks, and Robert Ashley's having to do a lot of work, and a life well wasted is taking time. So either way, one way or another... Robert's not here. It sucks. Well, I thought that we would we would start off by uh, by giving people a rundown of of like how podcasts at websites that have paid staff go and how pod site podcasts yep. at other sites go. Well, I'm just saying normally you know it's like you set it up and if they're being paid it's one thing, but with us it's kind of like we're relying on people's goodwill to make sure they have time set sure. aside, and so you know. It's really hard to get people to commit to coming out to the East Bay where we live, and and I mean I, talking to people like. Shows on certain popular websites also have problems with people saying at the last second, I can't do it, but they also have the luxury of a large pool of people that are paid to be in that building that they can say, oh, you should be on the podcast this week. Even if that doesn't necessarily work out well, it still happens. Sorry, I was moving Arthur's mic a little bit. Uh, See, you you move my mic, and my levels are always the best, no matter what. They are, but it was just that because the mic was actually to the side of your face, it was having a hard time catching it. Got it. So a little bit to angles is a little bit better. So what I'm saying is that there there are difficulties unique to a small website podcast. There are reasons that you see so many small podcasts start and then burn out within like 10 episodes, because it's kind of a pain in the ass to, to do the podcast, and that's not... A complaint because we all really like doing it. It's just sort of a reality, and so every week when we say, "Oh, well, this happened," and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't like it sounding like we're making excuses. No, even I though mean, we are cl- making excuses. No, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is that this week it's like I've, I was out of town in Seattle. Yeah, well, it started with me leaving for London on Saturday and not getting back till Tuesday. Right, and then I was out of town from Wednesday, Wednesday like morning till like last night at 11 p.m. So. I mean, the reality of it is that pre-E3 events and that sort of business, uh, they do get in the way quite a bit. So, that's just the cold, harsh reality of it. I'm sorry that I'm a liar so often. It's not because I want to be. 
It's just that fate conspires against us. Um, I'm saying fuck fate and recording. So yeah, Miguel couldn't make it tonight either. Uh, hopefully we'll actually be able to get people to come out. But we couldn't put off doing a show any longer. That was basically what it came down to. We wanted to do a show, and it's becoming really tedious not to be able to do one. So here we are, just the three of us. You know, well, doing the podcast. Not counting the cats. Talking about what... Now we're going to talk about some games we've been playing. Um, trying to think if there was anything that I haven't talked about that I, it was because I was embargoed or anything like that. I mean, I can talk about uh, Saboteur since my preview just went up for that at GameSpy. I saw that a couple weeks back. I didn't actually get to play it. It was a hands-off demo. It's going to be a lot of that going around this week. But it's a... Uh, it is a... It is the next game from Pandemic, the guys that made Mercenaries. So are you a Scottish guy? Yes, you're. Mm-hmm. so you are an Irishman, actually. An Ir- oh, I'm sorry for any listeners in the UK. I don't mean to to mix up Scots and Irish. So yeah, Saboteur. I played Saboteur. Um, uh, oh, I didn't play. I watched. So yeah, you're an Irish race car driver. That uh, So this is based off a real person named William Grover... William Grover Williams. And that was his real name. He was a, he was a Frenchman... Who drove race cars for real? He uh, won the like French Grand Prix like two years in a row against like even once against like the, the his rival, which was this driver, this German driver for Mercedes. And so uh, the game's loosely based off William Grover Williamson, who in real life, uh, after the occupation started, fled to the UK, and then was put into this special British program where he was dropped back into France, and then was seated so he started he along with others started the French resistance and he was eventually arrested and killed in a concentration camp so that's how the real guy died but hopefully that's not how the game ends yeah yeah so I don't know so in this game you play as, as, a, as a race car driver as well and uh, your nemesis like your German nemesis in the game even is the race car driver like oh wow German race car driver so he, he is actually like a boss I think at some point in the game like he is a Nazi hardcore. I don't know if that's what the real like is. Part, you have to jump out. <laughs> okay, so knows. immediately when you say that to me, it sort of makes me brings to the question: How gamey is oh, Saboteur? Okay. It's, it's very like it's still like the guys that made Mercenaries. So okay, yeah, they're trying to tell a more serious story. Like like when you're walking around the streets and it's like the uh, the German occupation, and you know fucked up shit happens. Like you'll be walking down the street and people will be asked to pull out their papers. They won't have them. They'll be executed. Like, stuff will happen like that. Um, but it's still very much, like, it's trying to tell a serious story, but at the same time, yeah, your guy will roll into an area where there's, like, 40 Germans and, like, you know, cause ridiculous explosions and murder 100 guys by himself and that sort of thing. And they got the whole, like, Assassin's Creed vibe going on where you can, like, scale buildings really well and stuff really easily. It's, like, really natural looking. Um, they've recreated for France actually really amazingly well. I mean, it's not, like, an exact recreation but the engine they've made actually makes buildings and stuff look fairly unique. It doesn't look like you're just going through like such a bland city. They've done a really good job. I imagine they're probably using similar tech to what they used for Mercenaries too. Uh, not really. They built the engine completely for this game new, um, and I think that part of that the reason that they did that is because they're hoping to sell it. So, because he took quite a while explaining to me the tech behind it, and they had you know they had like a really catchy name for it and all that. So I'm sure they want to sell it as middleware. Um, I mean, can they, though? I mean, Pandemic is owned by EA. Yeah, so uh, maybe EA wants to sell it as middleware, you know what I mean? Or maybe EA wants their own middleware. So, um, but yeah, the game looks pretty cool. I mean, it's got a lot of the Mercenaries action, which seems fun. And 
and the whole like the weird vibe they're trying to do with it is like have you seen where they do uh what's called uh the will to fight that's like their big thing so the city starts off black and white in any area that's oppressed is black and white but then once you do enough saboteur work in the area it'll become colorful again so there'll be like literally like weird like transitions where like halfway across the river it'll go from colored to black and white movie where like modern teenagers are transported back in time and every time there's like something sexual happens the color returns yeah exactly I forget but yeah um yeah, it, it, what? Is it Pleasantville? Pleasant, yeah. Pleasantville, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it looks a lot like that. And, uh, and yeah, and besides that, the only other thing that's colored in the black and white parts are blood and, uh, of course. and Nazi symbols. So, like, the banners are bright red. The, like, armbands are bright red. You know, they, like, go for the very Sin City effect of that. You know, and that's kind of what I wrote my preview about was, like, the three things that he pointed out that were a huge influence on the game was the story of William Grover Williamson, or Williams, Wilver, Gro- William Grover Williams, it's got a weird name. That guy, uh, Sin City, they said was a huge influence on their art direction. And then he said, like Amelie and Jean Pierre Genet movies were a big influence because when the color comes back, it's like hyper real. Hmm. The colors because they wanted it to be like the like idea you have of France, like and romantic. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like so. goofy, sort of standoffish. Right. So. So yeah, so that I was say the French group here standoffish. So yeah, uh, you know, I guess you could make all your like smart ass comments about how the French are like, like not brave and stuff, and you could even say that you know this guy's an Irishman doing all this shit in France. It's not even a French person. No, but see that would be if like as your character, if your character looked at a, a French villager, like they put up their hands and everything dropped out of their pockets. But in real life, like from what I understand, William Grover Williams was actually a French person, so he just fled to the UK. I don't know. I don't know why they decided to make him Irish. I guess. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that there are two. I mean, again, Velvet Assassin, I think, is the other one. Yeah, but that's also being published by South Peak. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm, I'm. It's interesting to me that like two games are taking place in the same area that has been very underutilized in games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that they're doing a World War II game that's, like, not just about uh, servicemen mm-hmm. on various fronts, you know, but that actually tells the story of the occupied parts. It's not about Americans being awesome and rolling and saving the day. It's not always Americans. Other Call of Duty games have done Poles and Canadians and stuff as well, but, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's typically as a serviceman kicking ass, and these are just supposed to be the stories of exceptionally normal people. I guess, you know, they're, like, still the citizens, exceptional citizens, I guess I should say. So, yeah, Saboteur, and then besides that, I really haven't been playing, like, a lot on my own. I've been playing Broken Sword, which is that remake point-and-click adventure game released by Ubisoft for DS. It's actually really awesome. It's, like, an old LucasArts game. Explain. It's, like, a... I, I guess, I don't know if it was called Broken Sword when it was released, like, 10 years ago. It's, like, a European game originally, it was like a super popular adventure series and it just shows you how well if LucasArts was like willing to put the time in like a Sam and Max could translate because uh, the game is fantastic translate like, on what like DS uh, a DS yeah because like the, it has like uses the top screen for all like the the like animation so like while your character's walking across the room if the other character in the room starts to talk to you it might do like on the top screen it might show his facial expressions change like as he's talking to you it just does that to help the storytelling a lot more and the DS works perfectly as like a point and touch little like surface like you 
there's an item that you can use or talk to. You touch it, and then, like, two symbols appear, and you just drag which one you want to do. And, uh, yeah, it's actually a pretty cool story. I guess it has something to do with Knights Templar and all that, too, since that seems to be all the rage these days. And, uh, so far, it's, it's a pretty cool story. It's very mature. It deals with a lot of sexual themes and murder, and I don't know. It's, it's actually a really cool adventure game. I mean, I just think it's going to get totally looked over because the, the case, if you see the case at, like, a GameStop, it just says, like, Broken Sword and then has an old stone cross, and that's it. It's like a, a bullshit $15 Wii game at the bargain bin at Best Buy. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it's just, like, shovelware. Like, you look at it, you would have no idea that it's actually this fantastic game, and the only reason I checked it out is because I heard John Davison talking about how amazing it was. So. So, so, to clarify, we talked before about the difference between something rated mature that's, like, tits, ass, blood, and guts, and the idea of something mature that's adult and thematically and and depth wise is is it that kind of mature? yeah it's not like it's like gory or anything when you deal with a murder it's like you're in a cafe and it gets like bombed by a terrorist and there's like dead bodies in the cafe and your guys in, children have been the game and your guys investigating it but it's not like tongue and teeth like man you really had it coming it's like jesus people died and like the any sexual themes is just like like someone will like when you play because you play as multiple characters and when you play as like the girl she'll have problems with people hitting on her and she'll have to, like, blow them off or tell them, like, you know, hey, fuck off. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's very much an adult-style game. I mean, kind of like the way, like, the game Full Throttle was kind of a more mature-themed adventure game in a way. And it, it was still, like, had some jokes in it, but it was still more serious. This is kind of that same way. I never played Full Throttle. Man, if there's one LucasArts game, like, I am okay with people going back and, like, since you can't really buy it, go pirate and play on your PSP or something, like, man, Full Throttle's probably one of my favorites there's so many things wrong with what you just said right now <laughs> Lego pirate it pirate this piece of copyrighted material <laughs> and then let me take my PSP and, and break copyright law by hacking it and then we run pirated software on that I kind of talked about this in the GameSpot podcast about how like at some point it sucks because I would love to support these games by purchasing them again and playing them but you know if they're just not giving you the option yeah you know. I mean good old games might Eventually, but the LucasArts people have held onto those IPs like fucking on a vice grip. So, those are all the real adventure games I really want to play. Like, other companies did adventure games where they kind of copied the style and stuff. But, like, all the Monkey Island games and the Sam and Max game. Yeah, game. I mean, LucasArts is. The LucasArts adventure games are legendary. Yeah. Basically. So. I was fucking around on this website the other day that had a bunch of um, Sierra games that have been. Uh, you know, you just you can just play them in your Flash browser, uh, and uh, it was pretty fun. And it's like multiplayer too; like you could see other people playing it at the same time. But they were like the really old Sierra games, like King's Quest and Space Quest, or you know, super old games. It was fun. I was running around like typing a uh, little dialogue bubble saying, you know, penis. Like <laughs> no, I was walking around like if they you did when you were younger. Well, let's type shit in the bubble and see if it does anything. Right? Yeah. For sure. For sure. Sorry. I just realized... Uh, yeah, anyways. So, yeah. Um, what have you guys been playing? Sorry, I really haven't been playing... I, I, mean, I, I mean, there's other stuff that you... I mean, you went... To, can you talk about anything you saw in Washington? No. So, that's the thing. is like, I have seen other things, but they're still... They're still all waiting is the big problem at um, the moment. I mean, and... and so I've been traveling, so Broken Sword's pretty much been like you my... You saw Bioshock 2. Oh, yeah, I guess I can talk about that now, like what I saw, but really we kind of already talked about it. Like, everything you saw in the trailers, you've basically seen everything I've seen. It's just like, 
more finite details were made clear like you are a the original big daddy which, which is, is why wh- you're not mind controlled which which is why you're not mind controlled and which is why you have the ability to use plasmids you are the prototype big daddy so that big daddy just kicks too much ass let's hmm. tone it down a little and the big thing that they showed us was uh you know uh you have the ability to to either harvest little sisters or adopt them so now you can get more at them by uh letting them tap into dead bodies but randomly when they tap into dead bodies and stuff it could trigger like a huge attack so you have to defend them and then on top of that they give you the extra choice now where you can really exploit them like farther than just harvesting which is you can adopt them let them do all that shit where they go and harvest it for you they give it to you then you still harvest them afterwards so you like use them for a while to harvest and then you still Mm -hmm. murder them totally exploit them for their labor yeah right they wanted to take that to another level if people really wanted to be that fucked up, right? Going into pretty icky game territory. So, meanwhile, they make the the little sisters look less scary. Yeah, know, so they did this like, time. Yeah, but they to make them look more like little girls. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I did see that, but yeah, really, it's been. You know, it would be a great idea if your big daddy like ran his hand down the side of her face before he harvested it. <laughs> so yeah, really, it just has been a wave after wave of. Uh, hands-off demos lately i think everyone's saving they literally are it's not that they're necessarily afraid to let people go hands-on it's that they're trying to give people a reason to still come to e3 so they're like you know come to e3 next month and then you'll get to play it yourself but for now you just get to see it so which is so stupid let's pay so much money to fly all these journalists out to show them this stuff and then not let them see it so that they'll want to see it again e3 yeah yeah. So, uh, someone else go, because really, oh. Broken Sword's pretty much the only game I've actually played. Uh, so I went to London mm-hmm. for, uh, I guess now we can talk about it now that they've basically, everyone's talked about it already. Uh, Bethesda was having an event uh, to uh, show off some stuff and to show the uh, the new, the last piece of Fallout DLC. And also to... Uh, to announce that Obsidian are making a Fallout game called Fallout New Vegas. It'll be out next year some at some point, theoretically. Um, which is, I mean, they really didn't say anything about it. That's all, that is the, the gist of what they said, that it is separate from Fallout 3, that it is being worked on by Obsidian, who, in case people weren't aware, are consist of a lot of employees from Interplay who are the people who created Fallout in the first place and um, yeah and that's about it they spent more time telling people that the embargo had been broken and that they could talk about it immediately yeah I, I noticed that because then all of a sudden like previews started appearing all of a sudden yeah and like I was like I was under the impression this shit wasn't going to go live until like after yeah, the trip 35 word previews that's because was that, that's what was, he said was that like a European press that broke it? Uh, I do believe it was European press that broke it over Twitter. Uh. But to be fair, an American journalist did it over Twitter after the European journalist did before they told us the embargo had been broken. Mm. So if they hadn't done it, we would have. So <laughs> there's no winner, winners in the international theater of journalism. Cool. Um, so they brought all you guys all the way out there and so made yeah, no mention they, uh, of any details of the game whatsoever. They, they flew us out to London and had us stay at St. Martin's Lane Hotel in Leicester Square. 
which is a, an ex- incredibly expensive hotel in a very expensive touristy district of London. Oh, so there you go. Um, and on the way over there, I flew in uh, business class, which basically means I had a, a cryopod chamber nice. all to my very own, which is very strange. That was a free upgrade, right? Um, see, they like... Did you pay for it or not? I didn't know. Well, I didn't pay for anything. No. And then to, on the way back, we flew normal, like, no one gives a shit about you class. Dude, on Virgin, even the normal don't give a shit about you class is still nice. And, I mean, British Airways is a really nice airline, and, I mean, I'm sure that for a flight within the UK or Europe, it would have been fine, but for a 10-hour flight, those seats were rough. I think most any seats were rough after 10 hours. Not a cryopod. So. Cryopods that turn into beds (laughs) are fine. Um, um, so I, I did get a, I, I saw a few things. I can't talk about all of it until next week. Hmm. Um, I did see the new Fallout DLC, which is, I mean, yeah, everyone knows about like Fallout DLC. It doesn't seem like big news, but it was, it looked really cool. The, uh, the, the gist of it is it does away with, uh, the end of the game. Not that it really changes the ending exactly so much as the ending isn't the end anymore. Right. Um, Basically, at the end of Fallout Three, you're, you're given, not, you're basically you're, forced to do something. Yeah, and I mean, there's the illusion of choice, but it, yeah. it ends the same way. Yeah. Um, whereas this adds to that and makes it not an illusion of choice, mm-hmm. and then has it unfold in such a way that you keep playing. Um, mm-hmm. So the 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 new content that the DLC adds is. Uh, if a new quest line that adds on to the the, the original quest, the main quest line in the original game, um, which I'm I, I feel like talking about it is spoiling. Yeah, don't don't. Um, but it does open up a few new areas. It opens up an air force base. It introduces um, I mean the the thing that other than not ending that people wanted was an increase to the level cap, which they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um. The it's going to take forever for you to go from 20 to 30 because essentially the experience it takes to go from 20 to 21 is all of the experience you've had to get to level 20. Um, new enemies start appearing at level 18. Enemy difficulty ramps up. Like they're, One of the, the new enemies they showed was the ghoul Reaver, which is a, a ghoul that wears armor and throws grenades and has a ton more hit points. Oh, shit. So, uh, and, so Pete Hines was playing through this and can you get past them if you have the ghoul mask? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably so. Um, but most people will never find the ghoul mask. Unless they were bad. I guess if you're evil, you find the ghoul mask. But a lot of good characters will never find that. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason to ever go to Tenpenny Tower unless you're an evil character. Like, there's nothing that sends you out that way. If you're not an evil character. True. Like... I guess so. It, this doesn't spoil anything to say that if, if you destroy Megaton, then instead of having Megaton as an outpost, then you are given somewhere else to call kind of home a little bit. Um, so did you, so what have you lately actually gotten a chance to physically play? Uh, let's see. The new F dead content came out this week, which I played and you have not because you are a punk bitch and you're always tired. Well, and I knew I was, I mean, the thing is that the night it came out was, uh, I was flying and I had to wake up at five in the morning to catch a flight. So, and I and, and, and no, and like I like I guessed, I did not sleep 
like on the flight or anything, unfortunately. Well, this is pretty. It's a pretty short flight. It's like two hours. It's like two hours, but still. And then I knew, like, I tr- I had like two hours in my hotel room before the event started. I tried to sleep, couldn't. It was like, it was just balls all around. So I literally from that day was up from five in the morning till one, the next day. So it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, I don't even have like the cool excuse that I was like out drinking until one it was just us <laughs> i ended up coming back to my hotel room at like 10 and fucking watching tv yeah no the last night i was in london i definitely like i pushed out and took off early shared a cab with jeff gersman because we just weren't feeling it at the bowling alley <coughs> where they served us american food for some reason like hamburgers and shit uh steaks mm. but i mean it's basically like an american style restaurant like a almost a 50 style restaurant with a bowling alley Hmm. And we had private lanes, and I guess Grandmaster Flash showed up later. Hmm. I wasn't. I just wasn't interested. Yeah, wow. I was tired. I was so tired. That was the the tone of my trip. Was Pulling I was from tired. the Grandmaster Flash bank, yeah, pretty much. So. Uh, they spent all their money flying people over there. Um, so new Left 4 Dead content. It, it's nice that it's there, and I'm really looking forward to digging into it. Survivor mode is hard. Well, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of it, right? It's, no, but harder be... than I thought it was going to be hard. Like it because they they include all the the new stuff that they patched in with the PC version a few months ago, like uh, the the infected like changes and the right. I'm just saying the I mean, nerfs that they made to the to humans. It's supposed to be hard, though. I mean, I got the whole point of that mode is that it's just like, I mean, it is last as long as you can. So I'm just yeah, like, like our. our... Our record that night was four minutes and like thirty seconds. Yeah, like four and a half minutes, and that's not that's not good. No, I mean it was, uh, it, it was the, routinely over in I ninety thought, yeah, seconds. Yeah, it, it was bronze. It was the bronze medal or whatever. I'm just saying that I was under the impression that the best people can only do like thirteen minutes or something like I that. I think right? they've like gotten up to like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, four minutes for your you know you guys who are not like a an organized team. Yeah, no, we need to, we need more practice because we're definitely rusty. Yeah, so that's and, you know that's good. I I like the fact that you can go in there and do that, and shit gets bad in like four minutes. That's and Tyler cool. is you know shit gets bad right away, so. immediately. Like the we were prepared <laughs> in a room, and zombies crashed through every wall. Oh, it was a bunch of breakable walls. Yeah, oh, so we yeah. we didn't Everyone. know. That's that makes it even better the first time, because um, eventually when you know all those things, you'll lose out on the thrill. Of all those first times, you're like, we're good. Yeah. No, we're not. And it totally flipped me out. Like, it sent me into Hudson mode for a little while. Yeah. I was just like, we're everywhere, man. Jesus. <laughs> Play, playing, with Tyler, playing with Tyler is a uh, is an experience, for sure. <laughs> He's still in the shiny new toy phase of Left 4 Dead that we were all in in November. It's like, oh my god, look at all the zombies. We're fucked. Look at all this stuff. Shit. Shit. And that's where Tyler is, and I totally understand that. Whereas we're like, okay, pull your shit together. We have to kill that tank. <laughs> right. Because we have another tank yeah. that's going to spawn in about 15 seconds, and we, it would be really good if there weren't two of them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, to- I, I felt totally green in the presence of all the composure that you guys had. So We tried. Um, and then, I mean, of course, then we, we decided to jump into a little versus to, to get Tyler and uh, and another another player with us acclimated yeah. to the verses and, and we, unfortunately yeah we didn't get to play that very much but that was we, so fun i mean we we got through three sections out of five on no mercy yeah so but um but yeah i mean 
That takes a, that's three sections out of five when you're playing multiplayer. Is a lot of time. Is a lot of time, yeah. I you to both have more. to do it. Like that's one of the only things I that I wish that they they would introduce like a quick match playlist where it's like, okay, I only want to play this for maybe fifteen or twenty minutes. Just pick a map, whoever wins wins. Yeah. Um but it, it's fun. Um it is. It's sad face that they put a, a recharge timer on the melee attack for humans, mm-hmm. which has been on the PC for a while. But 360 got away with not having it. Now is that just for versus that they put that up there, or it was in survival know? mode? It was in survival as well. Oh yeah, that's right. It was okay. I mean, I guess it makes sense because you could literally exploit it to where it was like one person shoots, one person stands above them, just swinging, providing the wall. Right. Doing a cabbage patch in a yeah. circle. Exactly. <laughs> so. That's cool. I mean, I do. I really do want to try it. I just punk bitch. Yes, that is. We. I'm glad we, we could meet, like, have a meeting of minds on that. Uh, I am close to done with Chronicles of Riddick. I think, like, I finally got started on Dark Athena and I'm playing through it, and I do not dislike it as much as I thought that I would. Like, I'm actually enjoying it and haven't reached a point where I feel. Like, it's it's being too unfair. Right. Um, I do think that they focus too much on gunplay, especially for a game where that was never its strength. Um, and I still think that you die way too quickly. And there's a lot of trial and error, but that's all, like... Well, I say also, all that and I'll die. Say, let's also be clear that you're also playing it on the harder no, skill. No, I'm not. I'm playing it on normal. Oh, you switched Because I normal. started Butcher Bay on hard because I'd played through it before and thought, okay, well, I might as well give myself a challenge. And then like an hour and I'm like, fuck, this is really hard and I'm going to stop playing if I don't turn down the difficulty right now. So okay. I can't. Okay, so um, I thought you were playing on hard still. No. No, and I don't think I ever will play it on hard. Um, man, that that game is... Like, we talk about adult, and that game is adult in both juvenile and intensely dark ways that don't just feel gratuitous. They feel deeply disturbing. Like, um, so you're on the Dark Athena, which is this ship that employs mercenaries, and they have these... They, they basically go to planets, and they capture people and turn them into drones. Yeah, that we, if you played the demo, you, you got a feel for the drone soldiers. Um, but the demo takes place after you meet these prisoners in stasis cells that they haven't processed yet. Ah. Um, and one of them used to be a crew member, or several of them used to be crew members, actually, but this is a, a crew member that wasn't, like, quote-unquote, kind of a decent person. This is, like, this guy is a fucking human piece of shit <laughs> and talks at length about how he wants to rape another inmate, like, two cells over, and how once that he gets out, that's what he's going to do. Or how he's going to kill her and then rape her. Wow. At length. In, like, in, in graphic detail. So he's going to be processed and turned into a drone? I mean, you you imagine he will at some point. Um, Justice. But it, Are all of the soon-to-be drones, like, total jerks? Or some no, they're... The thing is, the, the other characters are sympathetic. Because the voice acting is so good and the facial animation is so good. Mm -hmm. Do you remember in the darkness how when people actually spoke at any level of volume, their lip syncing actually kicked in and it looked really good? Uh, I don't think I paid as much attention to that. Um, So in the darkness, if someone was speaking at low volume, like their lips would barely move. But once they raised their voices, like the lip syncing was really good. And this has taken that further since it's the same studio Mm -hmm. and their, their facial modeling is a lot better. 
um, especially the character that Lance Henriksen plays. Um, it's literally one of the best like characters I've seen in a game as far as believability and character animation. And I'm I'm also a sucker for Bishop. So um so they're they're sympathetic. Like you you run into a little girl that's like in the vents who is the daughter of a of a prisoner in in a stasis field and she asks you to find her and so there's this weird balancing act between Riddick being a remorseless killer and you trying to figure out if you're sympathetic for these characters and how far your sympathy Riddick, for these characters can go. Even in the movies, though, they kind of showed that Riddick had like a soft spot for like maybe female children, like he wouldn't hurt them necessarily. There was, I like, suppose, or or innocence. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, in like a female child, is about as innocent as it gets in the scheme of things, I guess. I mean, I've ne- never seen kittens. the film, so did they really? play him up to be like really like amoral? Or- yeah, I mean, he, he makes it very clear that. Riddick is out to serve number one first and foremost, oh, okay. which is him. But there, there is parts where he does develop minor interpersonal relationships where he looks out for people. Yeah. So. And is punished for them. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's essentially how it works out. Any relationship he develops is one that he's punished for. So. Just kind of a bleak outlook on human relationships. Um but yeah, Dark Athena gets gets more violent and more graphic than Butcher Bay was, um, which is surprising because Butcher Bay was pretty intense. Eh, Butcher Bay was pretty intense. Darkness was even more intense. Yeah, but Butcher Bay time. was like Oz the video game in spots, like without the rape. <laughs> yeah, um, that's because no one's gonna rape him, and he's not gonna rape anyone. No. So he's a. I mean, it's implied that he's predatory, but it's never. I mean, he's never done anything sexual. Like the character has never been taken in any sexual direction. No. Um, but it's it's good, and and there's more shooting than there should be. But usually, there is a puzzle element along with the shooting that makes it more tolerable. Yeah, I mean, even in the darkness, the shooting was like the worst feeling part of it. Everything else was cooler. Like using your powers was really rad. Just like in this one, using your melee combat's good, but the shooting always felt kind of weak. Like, these companies don't necessarily do shooting the best, but they do first-person fucking action awesome. First-person experience yeah. is is excellent. Um, but yeah, the, the shooting is... I think maybe it's just because it's... There's a, a sort of heft and momentum when you're moving around because yeah. everything is so physical. Yeah, yeah there, is, there is a little bit of carryover. Like, when you stop moving the stick, there is, like, a second where it's, like... Yeah. Almost like your weight catching up with you. It's almost over animated for for that kind of game, right? Um, and I and I know that physical is one of those adjectives we're not supposed to use anymore. <laughs> but there is a a certain physicality to the first person games that Starbreeze makes that almost make it. Maybe it's just too realistic. I feel like we need a buzzer. So every time someone says one of them, even subconsciously, I was like. I think in this case it's it's appropriate though. Fine, that's fine. It's just it'd be funny if I had it anyways, even if it is appropriate. I I don't think we need another way for you to be a dick. <laughs> your your natural abilities are already so high as you click the Zippo. <laughs> Bastard. Uh-huh. Um, and I give him the trucker's horn. <laughs> so I mean if you I I'm enjoying Dark Athena and I think that I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. I am at the part where apparently it becomes more shooting. I mean, it's a game I would like to play. Unfortunately, I'm now finally having to start doing more reviews soon, so... I think that you could fit it in. It's not very long. Yeah, I know. It's just lately when I've had time to play games at home, I've been playing a lot of WoW, so... 
I'm supposed to do a WoW podcast sometime soon, so I've been prepping myself for that. And they added Peggle to WoW. They did, I know. That's like a that's like the equivalent of uh, what Kathleen's friend called a speedball, which is where you do cocaine and heroin together. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they they mixed it together. I I could definitely see like a guilds banning you from downloading the Peggle client. Like Why? no, because yeah, because they're distracted. It, yeah, so, so like, I have you'll a question be in the about that. Like, I'm you know I, I I'm totally wow uh, ignorant. So how does that work in wow? You type is it in, in slash the... Peggle, and but, it brings up the game Peggle. So is it in a window, like, in the corner, and you can still play WoW at the same time? I think, like, it's, I think you work? can still play at the same time, but the thing is it probably pops up like a like a big pop-up that takes up the majority of the screen. See, I'm surprised uh, you don't... I, well, I guess you don't know this yet because you just got back last night. Yeah. But uh, it is out. Like, it's not, like, something that they Yeah, I know, and it is free, so... Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I assume it just pops up in the center of the screen. It's probably for people, like, like because there are times in WoW you, like... 10 minutes before someone's going to get to where you are or something like that, you know? And also, right. it's being presented as a way to sort of arbitrate loot disputes mm. as well. Like, for people that both want the same item, like, you can do competitive peggle, maybe. Yeah, wow. I mean, it, it does Fun. present a lot of things, but what I was saying is, as far as raids and stuff goes, like, because there are so many, like, bosses that are made for, like, hardcore raiding guilds, where literally it 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 requires voice chat to the point where it's, like, craziest shit happens like there's like one boss and then in that like if you move at certain points it kills everyone basically so you'll just have to pay attention like you'll see he's casting a spell and then no one can move like just shit like that so i get to see guilds having to ban peggle because there'll be some asshole who's just like oh what are we doing I don't, think those, I don't think those people would be admitted into the guild just because those things are so dedicated it's like a fucking part-time job it is like right. a part-time job i know someone that just got in and to get in he had to he had to go on raids with them as a non-member, and they tried him out. And they have all those add-ons that, like, at the end of the raid, tells you who did the most overall damage. It's like trying to get into a fucking drug organization. It was, and so, and so, like, to get into this as a damage output character, he had to make it into like the top ten in order, like, at the end of the raid. So they were like, "All right, you did good enough." You know what I mean? Like, you're you're in. So it's intense. There were only a ball or there's only a ball or two in your mouth, and he had to fill out an application. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Did they run a credit check? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that, that this guild is literally like he told me it's like unlike anything he's ever experienced because like other top, like top tiered guilds will go into like a hardcore dungeon and they'll have to beat it over like the course of three days, whereas his guild will go in there and do it in one sitting, like four hours, which is like, is pretty ungodly. So. I'm just saying, I mean, the, it's not worth it in my eyes, but I'm just saying that... This for, is the kind of thing where I would hear someone talking about this at, a, at the next table over in, like, a restaurant or something, and I would just be shaking my head the entire time I heard it. So, I mean, the, you know, for people that are that into it, I mean, I, they get they obviously get more out of it, though, than just getting items. Like, there's, like, a psychological benefit of, like, being in power of some group that's so elite to them, you know? It's kind of like maybe being like on the sports team that they were never on, and they're so good at it. This is like something they're very good at. So, I don't know. I that's an appeal that just doesn't. I mean, I've never done all that high end content. I probably never will. I'm content to just do like the, the like raids you go on for a few quests here and there. And by raids, I mean like five man, not twenty and forty man shit. So, I've never been in anything that largely organized ever. So in your life, no, in EverQuest, I went on a couple of big ones like that. So, but. Tyler, what have you been playing? I've been playing a lot, actually. Uh, just sort of going through some of my old, you know, games I've been wanting to catch up with. Um, playing the Fallout 
3 DLC, The Pit, but I sort of had to stop because I reached the level 20, and, uh, you know, I don't want to waste my experience, you know, so I'm just going <laughs> to wait. You're going to wait till they let you level up I'm more. trying to remember yeah. what, I mean, it comes out on May 5th, so it's not yeah, that so long it's not, from now. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. And then you've got new parks, like yeah. puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I'm super excited about that, but um, and actually excited to give Fallout 3 a break for a little while because I downloaded um, Lost and Damned for GTA 4. Which and is very good. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just started fucking around with it yesterday for a little while, and uh, I really like the emphasis on the action of the missions. Like, it, they immediately just throw you into, you know, go shoot the shit out of this gang, and um, that's a whole lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just loving the, the cutscenes again, falling back into the GTA old. Uh, you know, so been playing that and also checking out some Xbox Live Arcade games. Like uh, I was talking with Anthony a little earlier, how um, I'm having trouble deciding on if I should get Carcassonne or Catan. See, this is where me and him will differ. I would tell you to get Carcassonne, but Arthur's a much bigger Catan Catan fan. Just because, how many players can Carcassonne be? Carcassonne can be four. Yeah, but Catan is actually is also, f- I mean, four. but I mean, basically when I play. Catan, I like to play with other people. When yeah. I play Carcassonne, I almost always just play against the AI. Yeah. So, I mean, Carcassonne, the thing about Catan is, like, Catan is, like, just a, pretty much an equal time investment, but it's, like, far less complex. It's, like, and it's a lot more fun for that because you can play with a lot more people and it's, it's easy still, to understand. It's still deep. It's just it's more deep, accessible. It's deep, but I'm saying, I'm saying it's, like, it's it, there's not that many rules you have to know, whereas Carcassonne's got a lot of minutia of things going on, like, Man, it's it's pretty. It takes like a lot of losing to learn how to play that game good. So, I mean, but it is still really good. I mean, they're both what ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, maybe they'll go on sale. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I have Carcassonne is didn't they give it away for free? Yes, or, I so, want to say yes. Yeah, at one point they gave it away for free. That's how I got it. So I oh, think shit. I have it too. Yeah. Oh, that's that right. I remember reason. that. Ah, missed. And my you missed it. Um, I I also checked out the demo for um. Crystal Defenders, the Square Enix uh, the tower t- defense Final game. Fantasy Tower Defense game. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that was pretty fun. It's kind of considering downloading that one, but... Uh, it's on Wii now, too. Apparently it came out this week. Oh, hmm. Interesting. But, uh... In the event you want to wave wave something around in front of your TV instead of move a stick. Right, yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and other than that, just playing the Left 4 Dead survival mode with you guys and Versus. It's super fun. So fun, I love it. Especially playing as, um, as you know, as the zombie, as the horde. Oh yeah, we we broke your infected cherry today. Yeah, how awesome Man, is that? Was... The first time you do that, or you get to like puke on someone. Or... Right. I mean, it's a trip. So if you've never played Versus, or if you've never played Left 4 Dead, there are these special infected zombies that have the special powers, and you're sort of random, randomly assigned to one. And uh, I was getting assigned to the hunter, it seemed like, uh, at the time. That's pretty common, yeah. Hunter's the most common. Usually there are two hunters on okay. the map, a smoker and a boomer. If not three hunters, sometimes you get that, too. And immediately, so. like, the thing that seemed, you know, the first thing I did was, like, you know, I just jumped. And, like, he leaped in the air, like, really, really high. And I was like, okay, that's really badass. And, like, you know, I could tell that I was really fast. And then you see these icons on the side of the building. You know, they're, like, feet going up the building. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, you can scale up the building so fast. And Can uh, I just say something? You know how parents, like have children like people have children and then they teach their children about something that they love and like as their child gets super into it they just like smile with pride like i'm just smiling with so much pride right now <laughs> yeah man it, it, i i was loving it man i i can't get over it just how how good you know how, how good of a job valve did of creating a whole different sort of control scheme and 
combat system for the special infected. Tower's know, so. first time as the tank, he took out the entire opposing team. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that's fun. Actually, that's actually yeah. pretty rare. It was a happy accident because I sucked it up. While on fire. I was no going to say, oh, yeah. It's, it, like, he got say. set on fire and he's running away. Like, and we're like, no, Tower, you run toward them. Because <laughs> a lot of teams can kill you pretty easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's amazing sometimes. You're like, I have 5k hit points and you're just like, dead. Mm-hmm. I think they upped the tank hit points so. in, the, in the new DLC. Hmm. Because they did with the PC version, and they never did with the 360, so that was included. But uh, yes, very nice. And uh, and I tried to check out Company of Heroes before we recorded today. There are technical difficulties. But yeah, we were, well, it's we were just I haven't played to. in like a month, and there's like been like five. But patches. you know what? There's no excuse though. I mean, the patching system for that game is balls. They actually, but the funny thing is, is that as okay, so I downloaded the first two patches, and it did suck. And then the third patch was a two meg patch that was a downloader, which makes it easy, because all the, now they've they. So you had to patch up to a downloader. I had to patch up to a downloader, and now the downloader does peer to peer, so it's super fast. So it's like it's like yes, now like twenty thousand patches later, Relic has finally made it to now where it's peer to peer. Well, no, a, but peer to peer, it's not that that's annoying. It's the the individual install of every patch. Right, but the downloader one. also recorded three patch, downloaded all three patches at once, and installed them one after the other. So it was like, yes, but it sucks that you're right that it took this long to get to that. That's another reason to buy that fucking game on Steam. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, get you, we'll get your company heroes. Uh... Yeah, man, I'm so interested in that game. I actually went on YouTube searching for, uh, like, commentary videos and actually found some good ones. Ah, oh, man, I wish I, I could. if you go on gamevideos.com, you can find a video of when Chuff and Sean Elliott beat Relic. It's true, and I think those videos are up there. Uh, Although they're they're extremely edited, they're just like highlight videos. Well, because the matches were like an hour piece. Who wants to watch you playing Co for an hour? Don't answer that audience. There are plenty of people that would, but because the replay files are so small. So, anyways, is that everything that we've been playing for now? Yeah, I think that'll do it for the first segment. We're gonna take a break and then come back with uh, some comments and to talk about how your parents viewed gaming. Word. So we're back, uh, and I only partially know the topic, so I'm going to let Arthur kick it off. I mean, I know the topic, but I, you have it, like, down to, like, the wording, right? So. Well, no, so, I mean, I just, I, there's lots of talk about bringing parents into, like, bringing older people into games again, or, like, expanding audiences for gaming, but, I mean, for most of us, we were first exposed to games through our parents. They were, like, the gatekeepers to our gaming habits. yeah. So I wanted to know what experiences people had had with the, with their parents in gaming. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought about giving my dad that spare 360 I had. For I think a while. it's more when you were a kid. I know. I'm just saying that was me thinking about uh, yeah. reversing the roles at this point. 
Just because my dad always talks about it, but he's too lazy to actually go out and get himself something, which is why I bought him a DS for Christmas. But, yeah, when I was a kid, my mom and dad played a lot of games, though, and then right after Atari, they stopped. But, uh... When was that? I don't know, probably when I was, like, five, so maybe, like, they stopped around, like, 1987. It was, like, when they really stopped playing games. Mm. But for a long time, my mom used to be, like, extremely addicted to Miss Pac-Man. On her Atari, like to the oh point wow, she'd call her mom at like I mean her friend at like one a.m. to tell her that she had gotten X score. So we had it in our garage. My mom would just sit in the garage for hours <laughs> playing Miss Pac-Man. I don't even remember that. My brother says that that's how it went though. But I can remember growing up, my parents playing a lot of like uh, Missile Command and stuff like like uh, we had a Strawberry Shortcake game as well for Atari. And I can basically those are the two that stick out in my mind that my parents played a ton of. <laughs> but really, yeah, my parents kind of. I mean, my they occasionally tried Nintendo games and stuff like that. But by the time Nintendo came around, they were really done at that point. So my parents were really just Atari generation people. So they didn't even get into Nintendo stuff. No, I mean uh, they would try and play occasionally. But I don't know. Once they went past that initial button. Just lost them. No, it was more just like they would just get annoyed. I mean, I guess my dad sometimes still played things like X-Wing for PC. He still occasionally dabbled in, in some PC games. Um, but yeah, I mean, even by Nintendo generation, my parents were kind of just over it for whatever reason. I don't know. The Atari stuff was there, but maybe it was just that by that time they got so much into real life. I don't know. That was a good question. I'll have to actually ask them that why they stopped playing video games. It would have been good if you could have asked them that before we recorded. Yeah, but I, in the scheme of things, I just—I guess I kind of misunderstood the question. I, I kind of thought it was more about our experiences with our parents and gaming, like, in general. Because, like, I have some times when my parents were like, why do you play so much goddamn video games? Well, I mean, what did... Okay, so what did they think? This The way I actually phrase the question is, what did your parents and other adults think of video games? So, yeah, okay, it's that I have plenty of things. I mean, where we came from, it was like a... I guess in some way my parents looked at it as a kind of a good thing because it kept me out of trouble. Like, in the in the sense that I didn't go out and get a girl pregnant or do drugs, but at the same time, it didn't keep me out of trouble in the sense that we did a lot of, like, breaking into abandoned buildings and stuff like that. <laughs> Not because of video games. No, I'm just saying that, you know, I'm just saying my parents had this idea that somehow video games were keeping me out of trouble, when really they were keeping me out of, like, maybe the trouble that people associate... They're keeping you out of girls associating with like doing social activities yeah that a lot of teenagers do but it didn't keep me out of me and my friends getting fucking bored living in a small town and going and finding ways to do dumb shit but uh yeah i mean i guess my parents looked at it as a mostly good thing as long as it didn't become like i don't know like they it bothered them when i played past a certain time till the day i moved out which is why everquest was probably the one that posed the biggest problem with my parents everquest is the only game I can distinctly remember my parents telling me to stop playing. Like, uh, like it would be like 10 o'clock at night, and my mom would be like, you need to go to bed. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd go to my room, and she'd go to bed. And then I would, like, silence our 56K modem so that it wouldn't make sound while signing on so that I could go and play EverQuest some more while they were asleep. And sometimes she would wake up at, like, 1 a.m., go to the bathroom and see me in there, and she'd be like, what the fuck? I told you. Go to bed. <laughs> Busted. So that was like the only time I can really remember that. But most of the time, yeah, my parents just viewed it as something I did. And I guess in high school, I was a lot more, I played a lot of games, but it was so much more casual in the sense compared to the way it is now, especially since I didn't have money and stuff. I just rented games and played, but 
in high school I did a lot more hanging out with people because in high school I just had it was such a small town and I had friends everywhere so yeah my parents were really supportive I guess of games in the scheme of things Except that request. Yeah. Were they functional baby? Was it the games were also functional babysitters? Like if your mom and dad weren't. Yeah, I guess my out. parents were gone a lot too. So yeah, I guess it it worked pretty well for that, and it, it it kept me and my brother and sister from fighting or something sometimes. So yeah, I was going through the comments, and it seemed like a lot of people in general their experience, you know, it seemed like parents are generally supportive. You know, if there's not just a little bit of suspiciousness i think confusion yeah um, in a lot of cases where parents don't necessarily quote unquote get it a lot of users would bring up that it it would only cause the problems when it would when they would sort of get sent into nerd rage over gaming which you know for my mom it bothered her sometimes when she would see games that she felt were excessively violent that bothered my mom for a long time my mom for a very very long time not so much anymore but for a very long time was convinced that they're was a definite connection between a causal link between between games and violence, real life violence and video game violence. So my mom was a little bit worried about that. It's like I moved into like the PS2 generation of graphics, and there was actually like blood spatter and stuff like that from games. You know, that kind of started getting to her for a while. But my mom also had like occasional moments of like surprise conservative like nature like that. Like she wasn't like that at all. But then I remember when we were a little kid, we weren't allowed to watch Simpsons. Like <laughs> really. Right. In the scheme of things, like looking back at my mom now, I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? Married with Children was also another show we weren't allowed to watch. A lot of people couldn't watch Married with Children. So. <laughs> like, I, I, I could, because my parents didn't give a shit. But uh, I know I knew a lot of kids whose parents would freak out of Married with Children. I still know people who freak out about Married with Children. Yeah. Because it's such a fucked up, dysfunctional, in a realistic way, family. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, my mom was generally supportive. She only ever freaked out about video game violence a little bit. But nowadays, she's even learned through me just educating her that really she watched a little too much Fox News there for a while or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember having to actively, uh, you know, argue to my mom or not or not really argue. I just had to persuade her when I was in the eighth grade and Mortal Kombat two came out for the SNES. <laughs> I had to like persuade her that you know I can handle violence and sort of things like that in games. But generally, my parents were cool with it because. Um, I, you know, I'm the youngest of two other siblings, and my brother, who is the oldest, <clears throat> is, like, a huge nerd, and so, like, you know, when I was born, we already had the Atari and everything set up, so, uh, I, I, you know, a bitch. Sorry. I even, I, I, I even remember, like, before I was, learned, learned to read, you know, playing Atari games and, uh, you know, uh, California games on the Atari, and then, you know, we got a, we got an NES, uh, really early on, and I, and I pulled someone's comment uh about how they really didn't even know what the nes was and i just thought that was really interesting oh yeah so um let's how old see is he here. like 14 or something well no i mean the kid you know he was probably like five or something when mm. he, he, he was saying when he when he received it for christmas uh, you know at, yeah as, so this as is a, a i'll go ahead and read that this is snack in the pants it says uh my parents had an, an Intellivision before I was born in 82, so I grew up playing Donkey Kong on that with my sister. I am very sorry, because if I recall correctly, that is a busted-ass version of Donkey Kong. Man, Donkey Kong's busted in all versions, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. That That's game, fucking classic. You shut your mouth. That game is, that game is a quarter-stealing bitch. 
Yep. Uh, then when the NES came out, I didn't even know what it was. I just remember waking up that Christmas morning and opening the big box in the corner. You didn't know what it was because he was three fucking years old. Right, yeah. That is right on the cusp of awareness of stuff. I wonder if his parents bought that for him as an excuse to have it for themselves. <clears throat> My yeah. parents are pretty excited for me to open it. I was mostly confused by it. I had no idea what it was. My dad showed me how to hook it up and started playing Super Mario Brothers. He and my mom soon lost interest as the games became more complicated, but for a while my mom would make me go play outside while she played Super Mario Bros. 3, her favorite game until Tetris came along. Wow. But could you imagine how oh, awesome yeah. that experience must but, have been? Yeah, like, guy, what is this? And then it's like, it's magical. Like, or how fucking frustrating that, that experience must have been. That just brought me back to another memory uh, through his anecdotes. It was a... Uh, I guess it isn't true. My mom played games a little bit longer than my dad did because I remember uh, occasionally when my dad was on cruise, there was this family we knew that owned the local storage facility, like, like you know, like mini storage, and it had a house on the property. And so when they it would, occurs to me that people can't see me nod on the podcast. And so when they would go yeah. out of uh, when <laughs> they would go out of town for like two months during the summer, we would live there and take care of their dogs and the storage facility, and. Uh, yeah, it was like a way for my mom to make extra cash before she was a teacher. And so, uh, and I remember, yeah, my mom was addicted to Dr. Mario during that time. That just reminded me, yeah, my mom loved fucking Dr. Mario with a passion. So, yeah, my mom always got a kick out of puzzle games like Dr. Mario and Tetris. I would get her Tetris for the DS that I bought them, but it's fucking impossible to find. So, yeah, I've been <laughs> with you trying to find that game. Yeah, you can get it on eBay, but it's like $50. So. Yeah, um, this guy's story reminds me of my experience getting a Nintendo, which I also got like right when it came out, which was 85, I think. Mm-hmm. Sorry, right now my cat looks disgustingly fat from where I'm sitting. <laughs> like, I think That's, it's because she's sitting at an angle. But this right, is just a newsflash, your cat is pretty fat. I know she's fat, but right now, the way she's sitting on Tyler, first of all, which bothers me because she came over, smelled me like she was going to lay down with me, then bailed to go sit with Tyler. I mean, fuck you, fatty. <laughs> she sits on top of your receiver and, like, her her stomach drapes over it. Yeah. It's great. Um, I so, like uh, fat. So my first experiences of the games, I think, were with my cousins, like, who had an Atari. Um, my remember, first games experience were also with my cousins who had a Nintendo. I uh, remember playing Empire Strikes Back, which I didn't get very much, but it was way better than fucking E.T., which I have played, and I, I was always I, I always felt so mm-hmm. inferior playing E.T., because like, I could never figure it out, so I'd play it for like two or three minutes and then put it down and go play with a speaking spell. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I think I was four, uh, it was 85, I got a Nintendo for Christmas, and this was when it was like super big and really hard to find, and I remember my dad and my uncles on my mom's side and my older cousins came over, and they all told me I needed to wait to play it because they had to quote unquote set it up. Uh, setting it up took about eight hours, which involved them testing it to make sure that it was working correctly. It was pretty much the day after Christmas before I got a chance to play my Nintendo. <laughs> Were they playing um, gyroscope all day? Or no, it? no. I think that um, I never got Rob. Um, I did play through Gyromite without the robot, though, oh, which you could do. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, I remember getting really excited playing Super Mario Brothers and my mom and my dad playing Super Mario Brothers and um, my dad being into it and they were generally pretty supportive of it. I think 
I it was established really early on that I was going to be the video game kid because like that's pretty much always what I asked for for birthdays and Christmas. That was me too. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. it took me like two years of Christmas to get a Game Gear. Yeah, so. at first they made the mistake of saying, "Okay, so you only get one game at a time. You won't get another game until you beat this one." <laughs> and then I beat Super Mario Brothers pretty quickly, and they got me Gradius. Which I beat pretty quickly, and then it was like, okay, this isn't going to work, this old buying you a new game when you beat the old one thing. Um, but yeah, I remember my dad bringing home Top Gun for Nintendo. But um, they never really worried about the violence thing, because like I was the kid that saw Aliens when I was six. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, same and Predator. here. And do you have? But do do you have like an older brother or? No, I am the, the oldest of of four okay. kids and the only boy. So yeah, I think because I was the youngest, my parents were really lax on what I. There's a whatever. Fuck see. it. <laughs> Just give him what he wants. Yeah. Shut him up. Yeah, I had an older brother, so usually if he got to go see the movie, like I remember we went and saw Terminator Two together, and I got to go because his friends went. Was Terminator Two? I mean, it was an R-rated movie, right? Yes. Very much so. I know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it surprises me, because in the scheme of things, this was like, you know, it's hard to remember, but, you know, they didn't check IDs or care. Well, no, they didn't check IDs until, like, the 90s, like, the late 90s. So when me and my brother went to go see Terminator 2, I can distinctly remember I went with him. They were probably, like, 13. I was probably, like, 9 or something stupid. And uh, I just remember, yeah, we all just showed up and bought our own tickets and went and saw Terminator 2. And for some reason, as a total off-topic... I remember being terrified, like I jumped the sh- out of my chair hardcore when that f- foot came down and crushed the skull in the very beginning. Oh, the Terminator foot yeah. comes down and crushes the human skull? I was I jumped out of my chair. It scared me so badly as a little kid. <laughs> so That's amazing. Sorry. They are fucking scary, man. When you're a kid, Terminators. <laughs> it's over, skeletons! Yeah, man, seeing movies like that are total recall. That I remember, another fuck, fuck I think I, I saw the Terminator when I was like four or five. So. I'll mess with you. Um, so yeah, um, I lost my train of thought because you could totally derailed me. Well, um, get, what does someone else have to say about their growing up gaming? Uh, I want to hear an anecdotal story that will maybe jog our own memories. <laughs> William H says, "Without my mother, I wouldn't be the gamer I am today. She took to games as soon as she bought my older sister her first NES and actually played the system more than my sister did. That's fucking impressive." Yeah, this guy. Um, I, Sounds a lot like your mom, Anthony. Or not, he sounds his situation. Sorry. Um, She still has this old notebook, which she would use when she gamed. She'd write notes in it, and she has an incredibly detailed map of the original Legend of Zelda game with notes where the burnable (laughs) bushes and dungeons were in it. Jesus fucking Christ. Dude, your mom was like... I never did that. (laughs) Your mom was like a fact writer before there were fact writers. Like... Most of the old games had notes sections in the back that no one ever used, and this lady I bet did. Only, I bet only the moms who played the Nintendo games were the ones who used them. <laughs> That's what Nintendo Power was for when I was a little kid, was to find out shit like that. Um, yeah. She was like ghostwriting for Nintendo Power. Um, she, she bought me my first gaming system, an SNES, when I was far too young to play it. And by the time I was older and ready to appreciate it, I had a hefty supply of games to begin with. She is still a gamer well into her 50s, playing her 360 and Wii. I love her for liking Left 4 Dead almost as much as she does Animal Crossing. Wow. I'm going to say that she's rad, even though she likes Animal Crossing more than yeah, Left 4 she, Dead. Cause it's I want to know if she's a cougar. And if so, <laughs> give her my Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, Too no. much woman for you. No, women like that have Twitters nowadays, ever since Oprah got a Twitter. 
So. <laughs> you laugh, but he's right. <laughs> it is true. I, uh, uh, I'm laughing. I was, over true. At, I was over at her house last week where she proceeded to berate me for not buying a DSi yet. Wow. That's funny. That's when that I is... say, Mom, shell out for it. Right. Fucking it intense. I mean, there that is the, the sort of common thread is that growing up, we sort of relied on parents to support our habits. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and the whole thing with me is actually, uh, you know, all these people that say, like, my mom bought me this. Man, in the end, when the Nintendo died, like, finally died and games were discounted, I probably still only ever owned, like, five games. My parents had a fair amount. My parents were always super big into renting us games and not buying us games. Because you guys would probably blow through them too quickly to really justify a yeah, fifty or or an eighty or ninety dollar investment. And I a mean, lot of times right, it was yeah. like some of them were terrible. Because mm-hmm. I think I forgot what game it must have been that my parents bought and it was fucked up or something. So the there was the law laid down in my family that you could not buy a game until you had rented it and determined that you liked it. So. That was a that was a law which was only ever broken once, which was broken for Donkey Kong Country. I got day one because I got the Nintendo promotional VHS in the mail randomly. I remember the first game that was ever pre-ordered for me was Super Mario Brothers Two. Um, Man, I didn't even know they did pre-orders back then. It's because it was huge. It was Super Mario Brothers fucking two. I mean, yeah, I, I know, but still, I just didn't even think it. people would do pre-orders. Like, you could, you could like put a reserve down in places like. Sears. The first thing I ever they pre-ordered. Had layaway back then. The first thing I ever pre-ordered in life ever was Jurassic Park on VHS. I had to be pre-ordered because they were running out everywhere of that movie. I think I pre-ordered the Ninja Turtles movie on VHS. But that was also back in the day when like. It was an event when a movie came out because it was like two years after it, yeah. the movie yeah. came well, out. No, theater. I mean Jurassic Park came out on video pretty quickly. I it think. came out like a, a, close to a year later, but not quite. But I'm just saying, most movies, yeah, it was like a two year difference between when it left theater and when you finally got it on VHS. And so. yeah, if you ever lost the tape, you'd have to pay the video store like ninety dollars because that's how much they paid per copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I rented a lot of shit back in the day. <clears throat> yeah, I know we had we had a lot of games growing up, but in my experience, I guess. I don't know if my parents did this purposely or not, but it was sort of the way they introduced financial responsibility to me because I liked games so much. Where did it go? They would always um, they would always sort of phrase it as, well, you want these games and you want these systems. You know, you could mow the lawn and get this much for it. You know, do this to your neighbors. You know, mow your neighbor's lawn. Yeah, and, and sort I, of like set that in motion. I find it really so funny that that's how, I they, how they introduce you to financial responsibility, and it's now the hobby that is probably the most responsible for financial irresponsibility. My, my parents, <laughs> my parents did that with me too. But your parents must have paid you like living wages when you did work for them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know like they, they paid no, you I'm like a migrant worker. I'm being distinct. I'm just being serious when I say I have very, 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 very distinct memories of being a child. My parents saying like you get fifty cents to like rake the backyard. Wow! See, I would get ten bucks for to mow, exactly. the, mow the front and back. See, I got I got bucks. I got an allowance of uh, I think it was ten dollars a week, and that meant every day I cleaned dog shit in the backyard, fed the dogs, and I took out the trash whenever it was needed, and that was like my standard thing, and that was like for ten bucks a week, and then beyond that, like I said, it was it was little jobs for like. Pittances. You got so, ten dollars wow. in my parents. Face. My parents made me earn every fucking GI Joe. So right. So yeah, getting a game <laughs> was always though, a good question know? for me. Yeah, I mean, it, you set goals. And- I guess, though, I have to admit, I'm pretty financially irresponsible as an adult. So sorry, um, don't mind me. I was just getting it. I got an awesome text message from a friend of mine right now. <laughs> And you just farted. I don't know if that's if that like picked a up shark. on the mics. 
But you better check your pants before you leave tonight. I did a burrito challenge earlier, and for what people that don't know what the burrito challenge is, it's like a term that Patrick Klepek invented. I mean, uh, obviously not. I'm sure people have used the words burrito challenge together, <laughs> but it was just like eating two burritos at the same time. Yeah, I did. Um, I ate two burritos in the time that it took Jason Bertrand to eat one that he had already started before I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do I? I mean, there's also your typical order at Taco Bell. Right, but that's gotten better. In general, I've gotten better about overeating. This was just one you of You went from four to three. This is just the, the one event where people were like, there's, it can't be done. And I was like, bitches, it can. So I had to show them. Um, so Devin on the, in the comments talks about nerd rage, like you mentioned. Um, I'm 28, so I was able to have just about every major system throughout my formative years, and video games were diversions my mother approved of because they were technologically based. (laughs) Just imagine if someone said that now, and it would never happen now. No. Um, My mother was and is intelligent enough to realize that video games, and more specifically home consoles, were going to be kind of a big deal. Uh, Her only major complaint would be the nerd rage that a particularly difficult battle or level would create. After much cajoling, however, she later came to understand this rage as after three months or so, she was still stuck on 8-3 of the first Super Mario Brothers. That's the level before the final level, right? I believe I, so. I seem to recall that having mother-whoring Hammer Brothers at every turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't have a fucking Fire Flower throughout that level, you you were just asked. Um, she wouldn't call herself a gamer today, and she shows interest in whatever new title I pick up but wouldn't grab the game up and randomly start playing it. That said, she does have a level 80 PvP discipline hybrid priest that she will occasionally bang through a few Eye of the Storms when time permits. Well, that is... I'm sorry. A level 80 WoW character is still impressive to me. Maybe I'm... Yeah, it doesn't just, matter what... If you've never played a Peggle or a casual game or, or I mean, or that's... Game. I mean, I understand that WoW is the crossover game quote-unquote, but still, yeah. if I can... Like, there's crossing over and there's level 80... <laughs> Right, that's hardcore. Um, did you see the interview a couple months ago that Vin Diesel was doing on some show in the UK? No. And the ho- like he talked about how he uh, how he played WoW with the host, and the host talked about how his wife playing WoW more than he did, and how she had like a level eighty, and he got all super interested and started asking questions and congr- told her to congratulate him her for him. <laughs> wow. Vin Diesel is a nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by all accounts. And more power to him. I'm yeah. pretty sure that your pants are unzipped. Yeah, they are. I would really appreciate if you handled that. <laughs> no, 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 look. I'm, I'm moving my legs about and my nothing's going to pop out. It's like staring into the end of the universe. I'd prefer not to. Well, then don't stare. What does that say about you if you keep staring? So that I'm gay. <laughs> We're not even going to sugarcoat it. No, that is, that is what You might be gay. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. I can um, just whip my balls out for you if that would make you feel better. No, it really wouldn't. We've gone a long time without me seeing your balls, and I Speaking prefer to keep streak. I just saw Step Brothers for the first time last night. Oh, I, oh yeah, Kathleen was telling me about that. I, I just watched that for my first time. Dude, the part where he drops his balls out. <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they, put the, they did the best fake ball sack for that. <laughs> just that they show it. Sorry. Is that better than the ball sack in Jackass? Yeah. That's impressive, the one that the dog tries to pull away. Well, it's just so funny because it's so obviously, like, gigantic and hefty. <laughs> like, it has heft to it. So when he, like, goes, like, bah, it's like fucking, man, having those pop down on your it's chin like and break balls it. like and cheesecloth. 
Yeah, yeah that, that movie was really good. <clears throat> Anyways, you're, sorry. You're um, the whole thing. This is from Carl, who I think actually sums up an issue that a lot of people ended up running into. Um, my parents knew that I could differentiate between fiction and reality, so they didn't mind what kind of games I played or the violence contained within them. They supported the hobby to a great extent in my early years, starting with an NES and then a PS1. It was only in my later teenage years, around 16 and 17, that they identified it as a problem because I spent too much time playing games and not enough time doing normal kid things, like socializing in meaningful ways. Yeah, I mean, I guess to some extent my parents were kind of worried, uh, like when I got older, that games were interfering with my life, and I think it was because when my parents got me gaming systems as a child, they assumed that it was a child thing. So it took them a long time to transition to the period where, oh, this is something he's been doing since a child. But games have also evolved as he's gotten older. My parents were still in the mindset of that it is just for children. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then when I went into doing the career that I was looking at, they were very skeptical in that sense at first as well. Then when I actually had a salary paying me a decent wage, they were like, "Ah, I guess it's okay. Yeah. So. As far as jobs go, I mean, it's pretty, pretty okay. Um, I really hate you. You need to stop doing that on the on the show. I don't even think it's audible. No, that, that's the funny part is it doesn't pick up at all on the mic. I think you'd be surprised what picks up on these mics. There's <laughs> fucking five of them in the room, dude. Well, all, I know when, all uh, the other ones are turned off. Oh. When I was in sixth grade, my buddies and I had this like tape recorder, and um, and we had like where this going. going. <laughs> and of course, we made like a fart tape. <laughs> and it was like this really great recorder where it was always handy and uh, you know had batteries in it. So we took it with us. Was everywhere. it a talk boy? No, 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 no. See, it that seems almost small. quaint. Now kids would take pictures or like video themselves shitting and put it on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Which we probably would have too. In all, in all honesty, if we had like camera phones inside, we were pretty fucking crude. But yeah, we had this fart tape, man. And oh, dude, I mean, just fart humor. When I was at in sixth, seventh grade, you couldn't get. Any better than that? Sixth and grade, dude. When I was in college and I went and visited my friend Joseph in New York City, <laughs> the day I flew into New York City was the day when they had like that epic power outage, like four years ago. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, four maybe longer. I don't remember how long ago that was yeah. now, but yeah, you know they had that power outage in the whole city, and it was like two a.m. when we flew in, and to keep himself entertained since his cell phone had died, uh, and the city was going nuts, they were just lighting their farts on fire. And so when I got there, that's what we all did for about another couple of hours before we... And we didn't go to sleep. We just stayed up all night lighting our farts on fire and talking. And then we went to be on the Today Show. What? You know, like how oh, in the background oh, you can be oh. in they the Today They weren't guests show. on the Today Show. They didn't have a fart lighting yeah. segment on the Today Show. The latest craze in New York power outage. Katie, did you want to try? <laughs> Having trouble making your wow, that one turned blue. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, have you guys ever seen those like videos on YouTube of like farts with night vision, where it's, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like a a wooft of air? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if "wooft" is a technical term, but it woof. should be. That's the best woof. description I've ever heard for 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 gas pus passing past your butthole. It's a wooft, and like. You guys are contributing to global warming is what you're doing. <laughs> and like oh, my, my neighborhood where I grew up, I'd have to like our street signs were mostly in Spanish. Oh wow. And uh, yeah. There's street signs in Korean and Chinese or yeah. yeah, but they're usually in both. Um and and we had like a new band hall installed where they had like these little practice rooms that were pretty small. 
So like when we were when we we when we didn't have anything to do in band class, we'd get in these small rooms and play turtle. What is that? <laughs> Alright, Tyler. It's like farting in the room and like you can't leave. <laughs> turtle. You know Turtle, turtle, turtle. Uh, is a great term. <laughs> like that a, is most kids would just get high. <laughs> they were. Probably so. did methane. Oh, man. That's how people kill themselves in cars. Uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, any other useful comments down there? Um, Luke has uh, something slightly uh, different and a little sadder to, to say. Neither of them oh, really God. liked it. Most Descent voiced by my father. I think that's sort of the stereotype at this point. that dad didn't like it and mom is a... Uh, Mom is supportive, although all these comments are turning that on their head. There are a lot of awesome moms in the comments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's never played games and sees them as pointless and couldn't believe how many hours I put into them like they had stolen what should have been my childhood. I wasn't going out and doing things enough. I was always a very social gamer, though, so it's not like I was ever accused of not having friends. In fact, most of my gaming was done at friends' houses as we didn't have a PC until I was 12. Um, yep. Distaste towards gaming turned toward turned to distaste towards PCs at that point as my work, socializing, TV viewing, and gaming all became centralized on a machine. Made it look like I was wasting even more time. That guy must be really angry now. Yeah, he just thinks everyone's like social idiots. Uh, yeah. They softened up a little when I started pulling it apart to upgrade it, etc. as they figured I'd learned some valuable skills along the way. Have you noticed that for a lot of people in our generation like building computers has replaced working on cars? Is like a thing that a lot of people know how to do. Yeah, I guess it just depends where you live too. Like in my hometown, there were still plenty of kids that knew how to work on cars. Because even my high school, my high school is probably still one of the few that had a a pretty hefty auto shop class. Like you could go in there and build your fucking trucks and stuff. So ours did not. We had a wood shop. We didn't have an auto shop. Yeah, well, even in wood shops nowadays, that's that's a dying thing in most high schools. So. Um. I always saw it as really unfortunate that my father showed no interest in my main hobby. I remember my ex-girlfriend saying she'd completed Halo on Legendary and co-op with her dad. I was very jealous of that. His ex-girlfriend? Yes. Oh, man. That's too bad about the ex. But that guy's comment in general was just depressing. Like, my ex-girlfriend and my dad, you know, he he never loved me, so we never had anything in common. I'm just going to read bits and pieces of some of these other ones. Uh, Richard H. says, My mother had to go on my original Game Boy Tetris when I was about 14 and forgot to go to bed one night. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'd wake up the next day and be like, what the fuck's your problem? <laughs> go to bed. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, let's see. I bet you my parents still haven't turned on the I DS remember, that I bought them. <laughs> I bet your dad probably has. Yeah, maybe. Uh, D. Pinky says, I remember my dad actually telling me that I wanted a Sony PlayStation for Christmas the year they came out. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Because he wanted one. Exactly. Um, let's see. My friend Ian's mom used to habitually buy Ian Final Fantasy games for his birthday, and then Ian wasn't even really that into him, so she would just play them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Was she also into the Ren Fair? Uh, we had a Ren Fair that would come through our hometown every year, but... No, she was not really into it. For some reason, like I associate Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy with Ren Fairs, like people who would be in oh, also man. Like, way into Ren Fair. There's like a billion people that we know that would probably be offended with you right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, casual alcoholic, whose idea this question actually was. So good on you, casual alcoholic. Says I still have my games from my parents as best as possible. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he was all over the comments. That guy's always all over the comments. That's alright, though. He has interesting things to say a lot of the time. Let's see. We have another one. A lot of people were sharing experiences of having, like, divorced parents and sort of gaming experiences and that, but I can't really... Their parents broke up over Asheron's call. I knew. Well, I, don't, I don't think they got divorced because of video games. I, well, I was going to say, I've known a couple of those in my lifetime. Wow. People where it was like, I knew this this girl whose mom got super into like Asheron's call to the point where she started neglecting the family and the husband ended up leaving her eventually. And she ended up dating someone in Asheron's call. I was about yeah, to was fucking like, yeah. ask, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. She is a, a Dateline special. Yes, she was. Dude, um, was she into Ren Fair? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Tower, you have a girlfriend, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, take does your girlfriend play video games? Yeah, she actually does. does. She like the um, Renfair? No. Uh, we've been she playing. Sister. We've been slowly making it through Little Big Planet, and we're pretty far. We're really far, actually, man. But through the the included content, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, does Jody have uh, friends that play video games as well? <clears throat> no. Failure. Sorry apologize but yeah yeah she actually does you know she she uh her she has actually a really interesting parent story as well um her parents are like british and like her dad's way into like technology tools and stuff so i think that something i noticed in a lot of the comments is that a lot of the british parents were super into games because they're such a like there's such this pronounced like homebrew programming and and home computer scene in the uk Mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily big over here Mm mm-hmm yeah, and that and that that was their big thing to like bond over. Like they would play King's Quest and a few other games uh, that that she would mention. And we were actually fucking around with some of those Sierra uh, multiplayer games or Sierra action games that they just put up, and we were sort of playing multiplayer together, just fucking around. Um, Matt Jet says, "I don't think I read this one, did I?" No. Jett? Okay. Uh, Matt Jett says, my parents never really played games with me when I was growing up, but now that I'm out of the house, my dad is obsessed with his Xbox 360. He basically went from playing no games at all to beating Resident Evil 5 on hard last week. Whoa. And apparently, maybe he found him punching himself in in the balls, like, (laughs) some other day. Uh, And I'm a little bit jealous that he never did any of this while I was actually around. Yeah, I'll, you should tell. You could play co-op. I know. I, I, yeah, I you wanted should. to pull this comment because I was like, "Man, this sounds so awesome." He should have called his dad. You should and tell like, your father this. Yeah. You should express these feelings to him that yeah. you're, you're sad you can't game together. Like crying with snot running down. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought that was an awesome story though. With someone taping it. So cool. Um, it's like a a good buddy of mine. His his mom got into gaming. Uh, randomly, like during the PS2 era, and was like way into like the Sly Cooper games, and just got nice. hooked on them, played them all the way. It's a good series to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Filio is this guy's name? I hope he didn't misspell Philip. Uh, growing up, my parents didn't pay games any attention. Now I'm in my mid twenties, and my mother, who is in her late fifties, enjoys knitting, yelling at neighbors' kids, and treating her teacup poodle like an infant. Has been buying up DS games left and right. Uh, a lot of people whose parents think that video games are of a waste of time. Um, someone commented on my offhanded usage of the term "good penis." <laughs> people think that we're trying that we're trying to see what stupid shit we can make them say. I'm not trying to do that. I don't know if you're trying to do that. No, I just generally say "fat penis." Yeah, like, uh, he said "fat penis" for as long as I've known him. That just came from uh, my friend Joe, who I lived with all through college. He just would like anytime this there is was the like, same Joe that lives in New York. Yeah, is now no, a no, lawyer. there's a different Joe that's oh. in New York. 
but Joe lives in L.A. now. Oh, did Joe go to law school in Jersey? Yeah. Okay. So, but, uh, yeah, I lived with Joe, my friend Joe Castiel, through college, and anytime it would be, like, that awkward end of the conversation where you're not sure what to say. Like, we lived together, so it wasn't like it was worth saying bye. And I guess maybe he felt awkward just, like, turning on his heel and leaving the room. So he'd always be like, all right, fat penis. We walk out. Just like uh, my friend Tommy would also, his typical one was midget hand job, And he'd walk out. <laughs> That's a good throwaway thing to leave the room on. Midget handjob. Yeah. There's a like hobo jerk down. Yeah. So are we done with this part? Or is there any more comments that are worth... I mean, there are lots more comments. <laughs> if you haven't gone on the site, if you only listen to the podcast and haven't looked at the comments, there are a lot of... Well, really obviously great. I know there are a lot more sites. I'm just I saying was right. talking to the, the listeners. I don't give a shit about you. Oh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Um, there are a lot of really, really great comments on the site. God Goddamn. Um, does anybody else? Do any of you have any other parent-related gaming? No, I, I got reminded by the fact that actually, even though while my parents didn't really game, my grandpa did. If throughout my life, he was always into industry that dealt with computers, so he always had the top-of-the-line computer. And so when I'd go visit him in San Diego, he would always have things like Mech Warrior. And I remember he had Mech Warrior Three with the Microsoft Force Feedback. Joystick. Jesus Christ! How old is your grandpa when that game came out in the sixties? Yeah. And he had he had MechWarrior three with force feedback joystick. That's fucking keeping it real. Yeah. Wow. Well, then that was back when force feedback joysticks were like ridiculously expensive. So, yeah, it was it was nice. To me, the PC was always one of those things where I would have to go to a friend's house to. Check it was out a games. beast of wonder and magic that yeah, you never really saw. It really it's like was. A unicorn. Like I I, I, remember, I specifically remember befriending this guy that lived down the street <laughs> from me. That was like, he was probably four years younger than I. But when you're eight years old, or no, I was probably like. You know, I was probably a little older than that. he was, like three or four. You know, the rift was wide yeah. between us, and but and and like he kind of got on my nerves. But he had Wolfenstein, and to me, when I first saw the first person shooter, I was like, "This is it! Like, I want everything first person." You know, and so ah uh, yes. You know, if you want to get technical, almost everything is in first person, Tyler. Well, I mean, with my video games, yeah, okay. Even movies for a long time, I was like, man, I want somebody to do a good first-person movie, which now we got, like, those, all those badass, uh, like, that what's-in-the-box thing. Oh, yeah, that was good. YouTube, like, I thought that yeah. was really well done, so every time I see that, I get really excited. Or you have Doom. Doom. The movie. Have you seen the movie Doom? No, but apparently at the end, it's... I think it's worth seeing, something. just I've, to add it to I've your vocabulary. It it's really not necessarily worth seeing. Right. I, I wish you it. saw it on HD DVD, so it was very clean. Yeah, it was still very bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there would be parts I was like, no, we're not really about to see wrestling, are we? The sad thing is that's one of Stan Winston's last movies. That's really depressing. Yeah, there are a lot like of people Doom. that have gone out on bad notes. I'm going to do the, like the, guy the that visual effects for Doom the name of the guy that was like cancer. A, a really acclaimed actor. Raul Julia. Yes, and then he went out on fucking Street Fighter. Although his bison wasn't terrible. He was like one of the only watchable parts of that movie. Yeah, exactly, but that's what I'm saying. Did you drag your parents to, to shitty video game movies growing up? I think I dragged. I think my parents were smart enough to do the "we'll be back for you" thing, <laughs> like like when we went and watched the original Mortal Kombat. Right. Because so. if you had dragged them in, they might have just left without you <laughs> and never come back for me. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I think we're uh, we're gonna take another break, and then we'll come back with some letters.
the back. Mount. You just had to work it in there somewhere. Mount. Uh, okay, so this message, or this letter, is from Joel. Uh, Joel says, The main reason I wrote was to share a funny Peggle story. After how much you guys were talking about how great Peggle was, I finally decided to bite and downloaded it for my 360. Since last week, Peggle has taken over. I've been playing it every day, and my wife and I play multiplayer after our daughter is in bed. Both. I hate both of you. <laughs> Equally. If it was possible for me... If I had two penises, I would pee on both of you right now. Uh, My wife and I play every day, and funniest of all, my daughter loves the Ode to Joy music. One morning I was playing Peggle while she was playing with her toys and finished the level. Once the music started to play, she stood up where she was, where she was, threw her hands up in the air and shouted, Yay, Daddy, yay! And started clapping enthusiastically. I would have told you, you shut up, you say fever. (laughs) Fever. I wish my cat would get excited every time we hit Peggle Fever. That'd be great. I wish my cat would stop being a whore and lying with you. <laughs> She's been totally chilled out, too. Yeah, man. She can sense my chilled personality. It's just that Tyler is a superior human being. <laughs> uh, uh, sincerely, Joe. And Joe is in Canada. Cool. Thanks, Joe yeah. from Canada. Do you have any that you want to read? No, I mean, you had all the ones that I got, so I just okay. figured I would leave you that up to you. I, I mean, I the only one I got some. that was a unique letter was, uh... Oh, we could let Tyler read them, too. I don't care. But I don't know how to read. <laughs> Texas has a failed... <laughs> no. So basically, you can design, like, text layout, but you can't, you can't <laughs> read the text. I don't know what the it words are. It makes me a better designer. Yeah. <laughs> I ignore what stuff says. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> No, Anthony is talking to his cat. Um, this next letter is from Michael, and he is talking about colorblind gaming, which we talked about last yes, week. Yes, yes. Uh, hey, FM. Uh, Arthur briefly mentioned in the last podcast that he'd like to hear from a colorblind gamer. Apparently, Michael is that gamer. Uh, I've been playing games for about 20 years, and I am colorblind. So here are a few examples of games that have total disregard to our kind. <laughs> He said kind, not you. He did. I'm not, I didn't say those people or anything like that. I like the fact that he's sort of saying, like, our kind. It makes it sound like they're a street gang. <laughs> that was the, the gang that was cut from the Warriors. Yeah. I interpret everything in life as a Warrior street we gang. We don't have colors. <laughs> we can't see them. Yeah. Uh, Metroid Prime threw up a brick wall when the color-coded aliens started showing up. At one point, I had to literally memorize the order in which they appear. Whoa. That is f- fucking balls and faces. Uh, I love survival horror games, but can't stand the inevitable color puzzle. Always a dim light, no less. I'm just going to say most people solve those puzzles by randomly moving shit around anyway, so right. I don't <laughs> think you're missing much. Yeah. Uh, I've never been able to play Puzzle Bobble or Bust a Move. That is a good point. Uh, most it's puzzle okay. games screw me over. That's why I love Dr. Mario so much. The primary colors are simple, and I can actually play that. And also, they're like different shaped little viruses. Right, but you'd now, still have to be able to know which color you need to put on which virus. Oh, that's right. Uh, but the worst defender of all are HUD radar screens that use little red, yellow, green blips. Mm. Whoa. That is dildos. Uh, it's right. bad enough that they're tiny, but why do they have to be so similar? The amount of times I have charged at my own army in Battlefront games is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> same, thing with, oh, same thing with Sorry. GTA. Even when I spectate my roommates playing it. Where do I go? The yellow dot. What yellow dot? This one. You mean this green dot? Whatever. Fuck. 
that, oh, well, at least that you gotta. Stuff. That's why you need like the equivalent of a of a friend that is like your your support animal. Like yeah. like he just sits there with you. He's like, I this is a yellow dot, and he points to it. Follow this dot. He's got to help you out. But there are so many dots. Uh, shapes and audio cues help a lot, but just plain simplifying the colors do just as well. They can't pair up red, green, orange, or blue and purple. Um, that's a problem if they can't pair up red, green. Um, cause those are more extremely less, common. Those are, it's up. because they're, um, complementary. like red and green, mm-hmm. like cause each other to pop. Right. Yeah. Um, color opposites. Exactly. Um, just as like orange and blue and, mm-hmm. and that shit. Uh, yeah, my first in- encounter, like I had a really good friend that I grew up with, you know, I went to school with, uh, you know, we were in theater together and he was pointing up at, at an orange stage light and he was like, whoa, look at that light. It looks cool. Like a onion. I was like, like an onion. Onions aren't orange. You know, he's like, no, like purple, like a purple onion. I was like, what are you, you know, the, the light's orange, but he was like, oh, I'm color. You know, he's like, I'm, no, I'm colorblind. And I was like, oh, Wall? Well, well, he saw an orange light as a purple at, light? At least he found that out like before that, and you weren't like breaking it to him. No, 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 no. no. Shattering. <laughs> My life has been a lie. Oh, yeah. man, that's like a... That's what people meant when they saw that. Sunshine. Like sunshine? Man, that movie had me in tears. Both type of tears. Both. Happy and sad tears? Happy and sad. Okay. I haven't seen that movie. What? That's yeah. the fire rocket into the sun to restart it movie, right? Wait, what? Little Miss Sunshine? Sunshine? Oh, Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. Steve Carell. No, you're talking about Sunshine. Yeah, I only heard Sunshine. Fuck that movie. Little Miss Sunshine is... The raddest part of Little Miss Sunshine is Super Freak. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like that movie. It was good. He uh, he also asked why so many LEDs have to be red-green. I never know when my 360 battery is charged or when my DS light is about to go dead. You should, because if you bring up the guy that's got a battery meter and when it's about to die, it flashes fucking lights like crazy. Um, I conclude this letter by saying Mad World is fantastic. I love that game. Oh, nice. It is black and white. It's good. Um, some comments from last week. Um, this is for Tyler. Mark says, I've been a big fan of 1UP FM since its inception, and maybe this was an off week, but I just wasn't feeling it this week. I'm not feeling your sentence structure of repeating <laughs> week twice within five words of each other. But moving on. Let's not be a dick to people that critique us every time. Um, <laughs> Even though it's normally me who's an offender. No, I'm going to be an asshole, because his following sentence is, No offense to Tyler, but his voice just annoys me. It's not his fault at all. It just doesn't gel on a podcast. I have to agree with this guy, though. My voice gets on my own nerves. Sorry. Your voice doesn't get off my nerves. You yeah. we, 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 t- we talked about this before. I get mistaken for women on the phone all the time. That might be why. I would I'm, use that to your advantage. That yeah. might be why I'm erect right now. Yeah, I think, I think that's why this person probably doesn't like you. Oh, goddamn. I get funny pants feelings when Tyler talks. Yeah, exactly. Like you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. If, <laughs> if you want, we'll have but, Tyler call you hey, on Skype. Do we have some... We should do some kind of like voice box on here. I can do some like T Pain shit if, you, you know, <laughs> if my voice is too bad. Have you heard Auto Tune the News? Did you see that shit? Or Auto Tune no. Baby Crying? Auto Tune the News <laughs> really? is so much better. But Auto Tune oh, Baby Crying sounds almost like the shit you'd hear in a Kanye West song. Yeah, auto, well, I'll show you Auto Tune the News before you leave tonight. It's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. Maybe next episode um, we'll fuck around and like drop the pitch on my voice. I'll be like, DJ Screw for me. Too That'd much cool. work. You'll sound like a girl that smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to say you actually sound like a girl because I think those people are full of shit. 
Uh, let's see, Gringo two two thirty four two three four. I I hate numbers and usernames, but I un- I understand if that's what you want to do. Uh, something about Assassin's Creed two that you guys mentioned is that they're trying the Gears of War two bigger b- bigger and badder motto. Well, I disagree. Having two blades makes perfect sense. It doesn't. <laughs> well, he brought up the point that you know maybe the person you're trying to to assassinate might deflect your first attempt and that you would have a second follow-up attempt and that i mean that's a good point i don't think it's going to play out but that once way. they once they know that you're there using the the hand blade is sort yeah, of it's, pointless it's i mean weird. you had to be like really really sure of yourself in that game to ever use the mini blade at i guess maybe uh, maybe you attack. have hand blades on either hand so that like you can you can do it in different ways depending you need to on kill how twice you're, as dead. depending on how you're you're embracing. The you person. need to puncture both lungs or go for the liver and the heart. Right. I'm just saying it, pre- it presents you options. Like if your right hand gets engaged and you can't use it, you can use your left hand to still fuck someone up. Yeah. yeah. I just don't want to ever see a, like a helicopter scene of of the assassin just sort of like spinning in circles and dudes running at him like falling all around like some <laughs> Metal Gear shit, you know, or something. Like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Assassin's Creed 3 Moonwalker uh, On the other hand Alright, keep going On the other hand, I do feel Bioshock is trying to be bigger and badder Now we are a big daddy and we face big sister Being a big daddy already touches the bigger, the bigger and badder motto the only thing new I see so far are the combinations of pl- plasmids and weapons, the plasmids having different abilities as they level up. Everything else has been done so far. Um, I mean, he he expresses skepticism about Bioshock 2. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think that's a common sentiment. I mean, right now it seems like they're betting pretty heavily on a, on the narrative as being the point of interest for the game. So that should be interesting. Which is a good place, I mean, a good place to start. And, you know, I don't know. I think he brings up a good point of just trying to show that, you know, the Assassin's Creed sequel isn't as much bigger and badder as much as, I guess, the Bioshock 2 sequel's going. Right. I just don't like bulleted lists of sequel features that are like, now we've got two of this thing we had one of before. Yeah. Um, Talking points. Yeah. That's what they find. It's just marketing speak to market your sequel, and I understand the word market is in that sentence, but still. (laughs) Uh, Robert Chang emailed us actually um, I realize that this is completely off topic but would you mind telling me where you guys order Chinese from uh, he lives in the same neighborhood as us and he's been looking for a good place that does delivery for years see that's the thing though is that I mean if you're a, uh, if you're a meat mouth which you probably are um, the thing is is that I, I mean a I just meat wanted to mouth. say meat mouth <laughs> sorry but then I I'm, meat I'm just I'd- I'm just saying, if you're if you're not a vegetarian, the place we go to, which is called La Tasty. So people call vegetarians veggies. Yeah. Does that mean that they call people who eat meat carnies? <laughs> no, we just call them meat mouth. <laughs> so. What is your fucking mouth made of? Vegetable fiber. So, anyways, uh, you know, if I, I'm not sure if it's good if you're not vegetarian because it's like it's like not great, amazing, the most amazing vegetarian Chinese food, but it's good and. Yeah, I it's mean, hard. It's hard to find fake meat dishes, so having a fake meat place that delivers is like a fucking awesome package. Yeah, and it's called Le Tasty in Oakland. L E, as in French. Le Tasty. Tasty. So, that makes me think of an ice cream parlor. That's what I'm saying. Or like it's like a ice cream truck. You think that that's where you go to buy like 
yeah. baked goods or but pastries. yeah i mean if you're looking for a place that delivers is good i mean i guess that place is pretty good they've always treated us really well and they gave us free egg rolls last time but i would just i would just look on yelp myself what was the um, name of the ice cream truck in pete and pete I don't know, Mister. I think it was Mister. I never Frosty watched that show. I know that a oh, ton of man. people were like obsessed with that show. Tyler that apparently show, being one of them. It was like, it was like the paramount of ch- of children. It was ballet of children's television. Um, it was too it weird was for me. If you're looking for for good Chinese food and you can just go, um, we recommend Golden Era, especially if you're vegetarian. And if yeah. you're vegetarian and I'm looking and are looking for some place to take people who eat meat. Golden Arrows. Yeah, they do Amazing. great fake meat dishes. It's a good way to break them into the clan. Yeah, the service is bad um, because everyone that works there is members of a of a very esoteric you church. Call it a cult. I was gonna say church. You can say cult. Um, but their food is amazing. Yeah, and um, there's another like very sort of cult like vegetarian restaurant in San Francisco Ananda Floor that's also amazing it's, it's probably the, the same street. religion uh no no the, this is more like roots in like India like, ah. like Indian fair enough all the women wear saris you know hot that. <laughs> they're not <laughs> and I don't care who's watching <laughs> watching <laughs> is that Justin Timberlake no, that's I wanna make love in this club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we done? It definitely Usher. loses something if you can't see your arms in the air. Are we? Are we done? No, there. Hey, let's bring up those comments by that. <laughs> you just want to talk about black metal in the comments. Those guys, man, they brought up some cool um, bands. Okay, so there was this weird sort of divergent metal conversation in our comments yeah. from last Who podcast. Was it? Uh, Phil's Phil wants to know. Hold the phone. Whose brother is in Wolves in the Throne Room? That is Anthony's. Yeah, it's my brother. Half brother. My half brother. Yeah, it's named um, William Lindsay. Yeah, that's. I think that's why they were confused because his last name was in Gallegos. Yeah, he's yeah. We same share the same mom, different dads. Um, he says my two favorite things coming together: games and metal. Wolves in the Throne Room are some of the best black metal around. Um, if he likes games and metals, Saints Row Two has a lot of excellent metal bands on their metal radio station much better than the GTA selection GTA 4 GTA doesn't really have any metal no not really I mean that's okay like a lot of metal isn't yeah. necessarily good for games surprisingly enough yeah I don't feel like you have to have it but um and then people brought up Emperor and Demon Borgir and I'm I don't know some of those I hadn't heard of and I just I just wanted to to bring them up just because they might be interesting to um, check people out people brought up Emperor and Demon Borgir um and My Dying Bride and On Thorns I Lay. And these are all like bands that, that are pretty big in the black metal scene. But nice. the the main reason I know about them is <clears throat> I'm reasonably familiar with them and they come to mind because uh Metalocalypse makes fun of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how the how Nathan Explosion like has a dream where he's working in a burger joint called Demo Burger. Oh nice. No, I never knew yeah. that connection. Um, that's great. But uh but yeah, I think that's it for this week. Cool. It's funny that I actually zoned out during the part where we're talking about metal. My brother plays in metal. <laughs> just like, oh, I just don't, I just don't know that much about metal. So I, I forget the name of my brother's band half the time. Well, we did just say that you were an inferior human being. Um. So yeah, we're out. Was that all the comments I pulled? I felt like um, might be more. No, I think that's all we've got time yeah. for. For today. Yes, perhaps next time we might cover another. Uh,
remember to review the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, and then where can we find everyone this week? I'm at twitter.com slash chuffmoney, as well as you can find some of my articles on GameSpy now. Penis. Where can they find you, Arthur? <laughs> uh, twitter.com slash A-E-G-I-E-S uh, dash leap dash game.com I have, again, I have laptop reviews showing up on PC World. Tyler. And uh, you can find me at Twitter slash Dirty T. Spelled like the drink. Like the drink. All right. I guess we're out. Um, we're out, out, out. Yeah, Midget Hunter. There's nothing for me here. I'm starting to get old. 